Welcome to the Lab Life Podcast, a candid insight into the life of an undergraduate researcher. I'm your host, Richard Song. I'm an aspiring research scientist and undergraduate student at Vanderbilt University studying computer science, applied math, and neuroscience. In this series, I invite you along my research journey and share lessons I and others have learned in the lab. You're listening to Season 2, Episode 1. In this episode, I sit down for an interview with one of the undergraduate students in my research lab, first year, Tara Lee. Stay tuned to hear about Tara's research on neuroscience and music mood regulation, as well as her funny story about how she got started with research. So without further ado, let's discuss. So today I have an undergraduate student from my lab, Tara Lee. Tara, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. So before we get started, can you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what you're studying, as well as anything else that you'd like to share? Sounds good. Um, Hi, everyone. My name is Tara Lee. I am a first year here. I plan on double majoring in neuro and MHS, also known as Medicine, Health and Society. I'm from Santa Clarita, California. It's a few minutes down from Los Angeles. Cool. So Tara, can you tell us a little bit about how you got involved um, with the current research lab that we're both part of. So for reference, we're part of this research lab called the Neuroimaging and Brain Dynamics Lab, also known as the Nerdy Lab, um, who is uh, mentored by Dr. Katie Chang in the School of Engineering. So Tara, can you tell us about how you got involved with that lab? Um, <laughs> it's actually a funny story. So Dr. Katie Chang is actually, she went to my old high school and I did not know that. The way how I found out was that I was part of this organization called Tech Trek, which is a program really um, empowering girls and encouraging them to pursue STEM. So I got in to a math and science camp through this program as a seventh grader, and I just loved it so much. So I continued with the organization as much as I could. And during the pandemic, obviously, we couldn't hold those camps anymore as a staff member, and I was part of the state leadership team. But I was sharing my story and um, to my chapter in Santa Clarita and a really nice woman came up to me and she was like, oh my gosh, like that your story brought me to tears. I really loved your journey. Um, she said she had her tissues ready and stuff <laughs> like that. So I was like, oh, I'm glad that my story really, <laughs> really sat with you. And she actually was like, you know what, um, my daughter actually went to Valencia, which is my high school back at home, and she teaches at Vanderbilt now, and that was Dr. Katie Chang's mom, and so <laughs> I didn't know that, um, but I was able to reach out to Dr. Chang, and we had a really nice chat. I just felt so like warmly welcomed by the whole thing, and um, I was able to have a really deep conversation about my interests and what I'm looking forward to and how I was going to do my best in the lab. And little did I know that like a whole year later in like January of this year, I met up with her back home and her mom for a little coffee. So that was pretty nice. That's so sweet. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, what was what was that kind of first conversation that you had with Dr. Chang and how did that kind of lead you to do research in the lab? Yeah. So that conversation, um, it was pretty shifting because I thought that there were so many things that a person can think about research and based on how it's displayed in like media or like just stories that they hear about it. And at first I was like, oh, research, I have to be super professional about it. And I have to make sure that I really have my stuff together and make sure I know what I'm talking about. But when I sat down with her, I realized that people are, you know, obviously people first before they are their professions. And, you know, I just felt so comfortable. And we were just talking about how like 
research nowadays is evolving where people are literally reaching out to each other on Twitter um, through the use of like casual social media apps to talk to other professors about their research projects and how they're interested in their papers. Um, people, this is how they interact in different conferences like OHPM. And so um, we continued talking about that. I talked about TechTrek and it was pretty cool because that conversation also led to her um, being a speaker for one of the organizations I founded at my school as well called Women Medical Empowerment. And it was so awesome that I was able to um, truly like talk to her about this because the reason why I was even able to get myself really motivated about research was that very conversation. So it felt, again, it was very monumental. <laughs> it was very, um, I was just so thankful that I was able to sit down for her even for like at least 40 minutes to an hour just to talk about things. Gotcha. Like so can you talk a little bit about like what motivates you to do research and how that like kind of ties in with the women medical empowerment uh, organization that you did in high school potentially and why uh, you're like continuing to do research in college. Yeah, for sure. So I feel like in high school or just any like um, mandatory school requirements you have to complete, um, even though you do have those choices in school, obviously, um, of what you want to study, of what classes you want to take, you do have some power over that, but it's still very, very, like very limited in my school. So I said, well, I'm a huge believer in hands-on um, activities or like a way for me to really understand certain neuroscience topics is not just reading and writing notes about it in a textbook, but I really want to like play around with it, get my hands dirty. So what really motivated me was that um, I love learning, but sometimes when there's measurements that are needed, like test scores and um, how well you do on a certain task, sometimes it's um, sometimes it's disappointing when you don't receive as high of a score because of all of those expectations. But I realized that research really allowed me not to have that creative freedom and also give me that like discipline, like timeline of what to do and like what kind of tasks I should get done. Um, it gave me that creativity to really um, push me in pursuing these topics even further. And that's what I really value is because I don't want to ever lose my love for learning. And research was exactly the reason why that I broke out of that slump I was in during the pandemic and fell in love with everything again. Mm, that's that's really inspiring. And I, I love to hear that because it, it's really similar to kind of what got me into research, which is, you know, again, it's this shared love for learning. But at the same time, research, I believe, gives me so much freedom to really explore any any like kind of concept that I want. And it kind of just it almost lets me be a kid again in that yeah. like you know, whatever I find interesting, well, I can tailor my experiment or my analysis toward that. And then who knows, like maybe from that we discover something completely new that nobody has ever known before. And I think that's like the coolest feeling in the world. But speaking about that, can you kind of talk about the research that you're currently doing in the Nerdy Lab? Um, just like, you know, like who you're working with as well as your just overall project. Yeah, of course. Um, so ever since I started, I was listening to a bunch of different projects and I was sitting in, in the different lab meetings um, during the pandemic. And then I heard about um, now a graduate student, I think she moved to Canada, Amelia. Um, she had a project about music mood regulation. Now as a person who loves music and anything related to music, I thought that was so interesting how she was able to combine both of her huge interests. She was a neuro and music major. But um, she was able to combine both of those, and I never even thought about it in that direction. So I looked more into it, and not only am I looking at mood music regulation, um, 
and looking at the effects of what it is like in non-musicians versus musicians, if musical training affects that mood music regulation, or um, how does mental health play into this? Does this apply when, um, let's say, you have stressful thoughts or depression or any other um, mental disorders that we're focusing on right now? And on top of that, we're also looking at if different factors also continuously affect this, such as age and gender. Um, so, so far right now, I am looking into more of the qualitative aspect of um, research. So that means like looking at constant like articles, looking at the data that they were collecting on this in past studies. Um, and right now we're working towards a literature review. So. Cool. That's, that's really interesting. Can you kind of like summarize, you know, some really, uh, can you summarize some of the more key takeaways that you found from your research? like the key findings? Yeah, for sure. Um, there are a lot of different ones because there were some articles saying the same thing and then there were different articles that said the completely opposite. Mm. So obviously, like with some of these studies, um, one of the the PI I work with, or the postdoc, sorry, the postdoc I work with, Ben, um, he said that sometimes when you're reading these articles, make sure you take things with a grain of salt right. because you don't know the measures they did those studies with or... Um, some of the factors that they um, were testing versus other studies that might have done things differently. So um, with that, there, some of the interesting things I guess that I can share was that um, at one point when I was reading these, I wondered if cultural differences played a huge aspect. There are a lot of studies that had specific um, nationalities. And for example, one study I read were mostly like Finnish participants. One study was mostly based in India and it was just very diverse. But um, there was one thing that I read in an article was that regarding mental health and mood music regulation, um, the reason why that the results showed what they did was that, um, was that some people um, depended on fleshing out music and really relying on that to um, like relieve their stresses by putting an emotional aspect to it. So there's like ways how to assess that such as the MMR scale and there's like five different like aspects you can test with that such are discharge or diversion and um, with that I realized that um, what they were saying was that the reason why the results were playing out like I was saying was that there's a huge stigma around mental health in India and I didn't even realize how like how huge of an impact that can make on what the research was playing out to be so I realized that um, I should really look into um, the backgrounds and just do a little bit more research above and beyond of what the article is providing me because there could be some things and nuances that I'm not really picking up on and I'm still not understanding about the results. Gotcha. So as someone who you know, does musical therapy or mu music and music mood regulation research, I was wondering, like, what's your take on how music could potentially be used as a form of therapy for um, people struggling with mental health in the future, and where do you think um, this this area is going in the future? You know what? Um, just as a first year, obviously, there's so much I have to learn, and there's so much more I have to read. So, but just on based off what I was reading, um, and for more in the future, I definitely think it's a huge aspect of what we should include in mental health. I know there are so many days where. Um, Obviously, some people might use that unhealthily, but when it is used to a healthy perspective, a lot of people do feel better. Like I know there's that aspect whenever you're working on a really hard assignment and you just have to bring that song um, to life um, that you really depend on to just get you going. 
or if you're really feeling down and you just want to um, lift your spirits a little bit, like even putting along like music that you truly love or artists you really enjoy, just changes that vibe a little bit. And so I really do think it's such a amazing thing. Um, another aspect of how I saw um, how musical therapy works or how music mood regulation can be adapted was that um, uh, back home, I was um, a teacher assistant at a religious institute and um, I was able to help kids with autism spectrum disorder. Obviously with autism spectrum disorder, there's a lot more research to be done. And I know there were some controversies over it recently of how it's depicted in media. But for that very reason, I wanted to get to know them more and some of the activities that I did with them were around musical therapy. So we were bringing out the Korean traditional drums, the triangles, like handbells. And I realized that truly, like, no matter what like topic or what um, situation it is, like music truly transcends everything. Agreed. So yeah, I, I just truly advocate for it. Gotcha. That's so wonderful to hear. Um, and finally, Tara, just to end off the interview, I was wondering if you can share um, some tips that you have for other undergraduate students or who are interested in research or just undergraduate researchers in general. Yeah, of course. So for undergraduate students, um, <laughs> I definitely see you. I know that sometimes um, adjusting, especially for first years, can be scary. Um, I'm still adjusting myself, but I know that one thing for sure is that I was really afraid of making mistakes or how I best put my like foot forward. But so many people here at Vanderbilt, here at undergrad, like as an undergraduate or any other college you're at, um, there are people who are willing to help you if you ask and you really talk to them. So the reason why I was able to even be in the lab was because I asked and I truly asked for a bit of time just to discuss and realize that, hey, my ideas and the goals that I have really matched with what they have. And you know, you'll never know until you try. And I realized that sometimes people hear that saying so often and some people will be like, oh, that's so cliche, but it's cliche for a reason, right? Like it's so, it's such a prominent truth where you really just need to get yourself out there no matter how scary it is. Um, obviously don't force yourself into it, but once you think the time is right, don't let go of that if you can. Oh, totally, yeah. I've, I've talked about this so many times before, but like to, to just like other students, I think like the biggest thing that I can recommend is just ask and put yourself out there. Cause at the end of the day, Absolutely. there's there's just gonna be so many opportunities that arise just out of like a, a serendipitous chance that like you didn't see coming and that like will probably, that potentially just transform your experience here. So uh, thank you so much for uh, that advice. Thank you for listening to the Lab Life Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whichever platform you're tuning in from. Please do not hesitate to reach out with any inquiries at richard.w.song at vanderbilt.edu. That's richard.w.song at vanderbilt.edu. So long for now, and I'll see you next time.